This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Big news, Francisco Lindor, 10 years, $341 million contract, and now he might be in the same ballpark as our next guest. Uh, do we have on the line who I think we have on the line? Who do we got? Hey. Here he is, my new boss, <laughs> the great Bill Simmons. What's happening, my friend? What timing? Like two minutes ago, Lindor signed with the Mets for like $740 million or something. They, I was going to say, only because you decided to come on the show. So this has got to be your first WFAN appearance since the days of Mike Francesa, correct? Yeah, that's true. What, what other show would I even go on? I don't know. Well, well, now you're you. introduced come to on. me. I mean, I wish you were coming on with me all these years. Just saying. I know. Wait, so Lindor signed for 10 years. Is there going to be baseball in 10 years? How do we know? It's uh, a good are, question. Will there be? Years? Will they still be on strike? Uh, will players be opting out? Who the hell knows, bro? But I'll tell you this. The Met fan would have been, your buddy Fantasy and all the Met fans out there would have been miserable watching tomorrow night A-Rod doing the broadcast and Lindor being a free agent. So for all of the downtrodden Met fans, this is exactly the news they needed. Yeah, and the new owner comes in and the Mets fans are like, they're like the mom has their mom has married like five guys. They're on their fifth stepfather. None of the stepfathers have worked out. Their trust their trust level is not high. And then this new guy comes in and he won't do the one thing they want them to do, which is to pay Lindor. But he actually did it. So maybe this is the right stepfather finally. Well, I'm telling you, the dynamic has changed dramatically. Yankees and Mets. I mean, now the Mets believe they're going to be on equal footing. They're going to be in on these big free agents. They go and get a guy like Lindor. Curiously, since the Red Sox won all these titles, has yeah. your Yankee hate gotten less passionate? Or is it still as, you know, high-flying as it was back when, you know, those great battles were going on in like 03 and 04? No, totally less passionate. And the reason is we've been superior for them. To uh, this entire this entire century, you know, it's like when you win four titles this this century, and the Yankees win one, it's hard to sum that same hatred. I abjectly, truly hated them with every fiber in my body, and I also hated the the knowing look from the Yankee fans, that look of superiority, like amusement. When you say you're a Red Sox fan, you just felt like you were two feet tall. It all changed in '04. And I, the reality is I don't think baseball is ever going to matter quite the same as it did in 03 and 04 when, you know, the height of the wars when they were going at it the way they were. And, um, it just felt like everybody had grown up as a baseball fan. Now I think there's this new generation where you can't say 
the new generation has grown up as baseball fans. There are some baseball fans, but it's not the same. In the 03, 04, every single person, it seemed like, cared about those baseball series. And I, I just don't think it's the same now. See, that's depressing to hear. You got a bunch of kids. Are your kids into baseball at all? I have. Uh, my son got into it briefly. And like all the other phases he had, he kind of moved on. Like he was in wrestling for a little bit. Michael Jackson, his Fortnite. You know, it, the Red Sox and baseball, when he was playing, it became a thing for like a year and a half. But it's just too slow. It really is. And they, they've never figured out the, the speed thing. For a generation that just, they stare at their phone, they're on TikTok, they're on Snapchat, they're snapping each other photos, it's, they're on YouTube, it's a constant simulation thing. They get any TV show they want on demand. Um, everything is at the, finger, the tip of their fingers, including like food. And, you know, for baseball, baseball is like a slow burn. You really have to put the work in. You have to watch. It's, it's the day after day. You, you came on my podcast today. It's going up today. We we're talking about like, how weird last season was that it was like this 60-game sprint. just didn't feel right. That's not what baseball is. Baseball is a day after day after day for 162 games, six months. It's on all the time. And that's a really hard thing to just kind of embrace when you have all these options. I don't know if I would have been a baseball fan the way I was in the 70s if, if I'd had all these things at the tip of my fingers. I, I just don't think it would have happened. In case you're wondering – the great Bill Simmons joins us here, my new boss, uh, who is now all in on betting the Red Sox over this year. And I asked yeah. you earlier today, you could be honest with me now. Is yep. it all emotion or is it nope. logic? It's logic. No, I've, I've always been weirdly dispassionate with my teams when gambling's involved. And I, I even with Brady and the Patriots for all those years, I, I find that you I find that hard to believe, by the way. Hard now, to there were there were years when you know there were great years obviously when you rode them like 2001 and 2015 things like that but um, no I, I think you kind of know you know your team better than anybody especially if you're really watching like the Celtics this year it, I was telling you today on my pod like I have no hope for the Celtics they, I wouldn't be surprised if they're like a nine seed I wouldn't be surprised if we have an eight nine playing series, that's fine. I think last year with the Red Sox, we knew they were going to be horrible, and they were. I knew the Patriots were going to be horrible this year in 2020. I think this Red Sox team is going to be pretty good. I think they have bats. They have, you know, five, potentially six guys that can rake, and it's a walks and home runs team. And uh, I think they're going to be tough to play. They have a lot of bullpen arms. There's a couple starters they have to cross their fingers on, but that like what team can't say that? The Yankees can say the same thing, right? You're crossing your fingers that Montgomery's going to be good, that the guy from the Pirates is going to be good, that Herman is going to come back and be what he was once upon a time. Like every team is crossing their fingers with starters with health. So for me, it's like I would rather have the bats in the bullpen and just hope you get lucky with a couple pitchers. So well, because they're going to carry you. You're right about that. But a guy like Martinez. You think it was yep. 60 games Why he was in that insane funk? That guy, Bill, is hit everywhere. Detroit, Arizona, yep. your team, wore out the Yankees when you won the World Series in 18. What in God's name happened to J.D. Martinez? Well, couldn't you ask that for Altuve and Max Kepler? And well, Altuve, I, I think I know what happened. There are, you know, there's a <laughs> certain thing going on in that clubhouse that might have happened. Yeah. Just saying. Right. I just think last year was a weird year. I'm willing to throw it out. They didn't know that they were playing. The season was rushed. 
you couldn't get in a groove. And also, like, you know, with baseball, like, sometimes you start out slow, you have a hot second half. We had Jackie Bradley, who's not on the team anymore, but Jackie Bradley would have these starts where he would hit, like, you know, 110 for the first month. And in a 60-game season, if you hit 110 for a month, that's basically 40% of your season. So, I don't know. I, I expect KD's in a contract year. It's a full season. I think he's going to be good. I find it hard to believe that he lost it. It was it was weird, though. It was like watching an imposter last year with him. I'm sure you've had Yankee seasons like that with certain Yankees. Where well, it's been like, Sanchez the last few played? years. I mean, and riding the roller coaster with Sanchez every year. It's good year, bad year. Then he doesn't know how to play defense. And he has years like J.D. Martinez had last year. It was actually, yeah. I'd have to pull up the numbers. They're probably similar, aside from a couple more home runs. That's about it. I'm not positive Sanchez is good, though. I think that would be the difference, right? Sanchez is what, 20? Martinez is a like, better player. That's true. He's a better player. But, like, you drafted your his replacement in the MLB draft last last June. What's that guy's Austin Wells? He's yeah, like but it's like three guy, or four right? years away, though. You know, yeah, like they can I, keep but, Sanchez for another year or two and be all right. And I don't think Yankee fans are feeling great about that. I took the backup catcher in my AL keeper league. Oh, did you really, I, Higgy? You're in Sanchez. on Higgy? Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm shorting Sanchez, but uh, no. I mean, we were talking about it today. It's just, it's great to have a full baseball season back, and I really feel like uh, things are getting a little bit more normal, right? A lot, a lot more people are vaccinated. And, you know, I think we're kind of the sun's starting to shine a little bit. The weather's starting to turn. Baseball's back. March Madness is happening, and it just—it's starting to feel like life is heading toward being normal. And having a 162-game baseball season is weirdly part of that. You know, it just makes things feel normal. Uh, thanks, by the way, for putting the kibosh on the Knicks tonight. I know you didn't get a chance to see mm. the game. Up by, like, 17 against the Timberwolves and completely fall apart in the fourth quarter. That's the Simmons mush right there. I saw what you were trying to do during the podcast, but it's okay. okay. You can admit it. You're trying I, to bring uh, some of that negative energy on Tibbs and the boys. I, I see where no, you're going. No, that, that's not true. I, to me, that's in character with how many, how many losses this year in, like, the last 30 seconds for the Knicks. Like, at least 10, right? The record has to be terrible in, in those situations. For some reason, they're always hanging around, hanging around, and then one play goes wrong in the last 30. I, I still like the Knicks. I told you. I thought they should have been more aggressive in the trade deadline. I think they were banking on Robinson coming back. But, you know, to me, it's like play, having to play Taj Gibson real minutes is not where you want to be if you're trying to be a playoff team. Um, who is the guy that if Bill Simmons was GM of the New York Knickerbockers, yeah. He'd want to bring in in the offseason. So you're going to have cap space. Um, I would. I think there's an inefficiency with some of the restricted free agents, specifically Lonzo and Markinen, who I both think are good. Lonzo, I just like Lonzo. I think he's been good on New Orleans. I don't hang any of the issues they've had this year on him. I think they're really poorly coached. They might have the worst coach in the league. Stan Van Gundy, um, he's <laughs> frozen caveman coach. He's coaching like it's 2008. Um, I don't. I think Lonzo is actually productive. He doesn't need the ball. He can fit into any situation. He's a good defensive player. And that's somebody that, you know, they're not going to have Derrick Rose forever. That's somebody he can go in. You got him. You got quickly. That's something. The, the guy who I think is a gem, the guy I'd really go after is marketing. Because I think he kind of – he fits in nicely with Randall in a way that Toppin doesn't. But the problem is if you sign Markin and you make a real commitment to him, 
then you're basically admitting Toppin's a bust. And I, GMs and front offices get really nervous about admitting after a year they made a mistake. There are very few. Like Bill Belichick, somebody's a sunk cost, he's out. It, it could be a second-round pick. The guy could be done in a year. He doesn't care. He's just, he doesn't – once the guy's on the team, he doesn't care what the pedigree is, all that stuff. I think the Knicks are in, are in real trouble with that top and pick because he plays the exact same position as Randall. And I, it, to me, it's a two-part thing. You try to get a restricted free agent that you overpay, use your cap space, and then I think you have to trade Toppin before his value craters. You know, it's weird that I actually feel good about where they're headed as a franchise. Like, I haven't been able to say that in like a decade, maybe longer than that. Like, me coming on the air, me talking with you and saying, I feel good about the Knicks, something seems strange there, Bill. Like, am I taking crazy pills? I don't think so, man. I think I'm cool. I do. No. I mean, look, they have a plan. They're trying to build a culture. Like, they're making moves that aren't just completely random and have no correlation to each other. Like, those guys that brought in, Leon Leon and, uh, and Wes, they're basically trying to turn the Knicks into Kentucky. And a big thing of Kentucky was even if they had those guys for a year or two years, it was all about the culture. It was all about um, guys that came in. They worked really hard. They kept their heads down. They, they weren't like me, me, me. They always tried to avoid like the splashy high school kids and the, you know, the kids that maybe had the, the shady parent who was going to be overbearing or whatever. They just they, they picked certain types of players for that program. And I think that's why so many of them have had so much success in the in the pros. It's not just that they were getting high school Americans. They were really going after certain types of guys. And you, you see like Booker and Davis and on and on and on. And I, that's why they like quickly. They knew he was like an adult. And I think what I see with the Knicks, the guys that they're adding, they're adding like adults. They're adding guys who work hard. They're not, they're not like taking swings. They're not always like, looking to see who the next big star is. They weren't in a million trade rumors. They're not leaking stuff. How many Leon Rhodes pieces have there been in a year? Like, has there been one? Like, he doesn't do press. He doesn't. He has no interest in it. So I think they're on the right track, and I think they have a plan. But, you know, this league comes down to who are your best two players at the end of the game. And if it's Randall and quickly, it's not going to be enough. So they're going to have to figure out at some point who is our superstar. Okay, I give you any of these New York teams. You can buy stock. You're a guy who's a businessman. You're a guy who's yeah. made a fair share of successful ventures and whatnot. Thank you. Who? Well, listen, I give credit what credit is due. Who is the yeah. guy or who is the team that Bill Simmons would want to buy stock in right now? Honestly, I, it would probably be the Knicks. The Knicks, because... not the Mets. See, I thought you were going to go with the Mets. No, because I think what's going on with the Knicks if put it this way, if they had the culture and the situation that they have right now, two years ago they get Durant. Like they're putting themselves in a position where they have a good coach, they have a team that makes sense. The other guys sense it. They sense that there's more stability with the organization. And and I think Leon and, and Wes and everybody else have really mitigated the Dolan stuff for the most part. We don't really hear his name. It's been in a couple small stories. That's it. But the Knicks had reached a point where. People weren't even taking meetings with them, you know, and this is, this is, they play in the best NBA building in the, in the world. They're one of the three most iconic franchises in the league, even though they haven't won since 1973. And I think they're rebuilding that. And at some point that becomes an asset. At some point people are going to want to play in New York. KD and Kyrie wanted to play in New York. They just picked the Nets. Like they picked a team that has no history just because they wanted to be in New York. So if the Knicks can swing that, 
I think I would buy stock in that, the potential, the ceiling of that over anything else. I've never asked you this, and I'm shocked yeah. I haven't brought it up to you on the pod, but it comes full circle now, as I'll be starting with you next week, and there's only certain things I can say right now on the air. But I got to know, Bill, where did big bad Bill Simmons find little old John G. Stremsky? New York City is probably wondering, how did this partnership Come to be. Bill Simmons, all the stuff he's got cooking is finding this crazy guy late night on the radio. I, I got to know, bro. I got to know. Had a couple tips. I know a lot of New York people had a couple tips that there was somebody good at night. And then, you know, like just following the media stuff, and it seemed like you had a chance to get one of the major shows and you were young. And, uh, you know, I went on the app and I listened to some shows and it just like, I can't describe, you know, what, what clicks with me, that what makes sense, like, for somebody that would succeed in our universe. But we've actually, I think I've had a lot of success with talent. And with you, it was just like, you speak the same language that a lot of the people that have succeeded with us speak, right? You're a passionate sports fan. But you, the gambling piece, you have the historical piece, like, you have, like, a crazy memory for stuff. And you can play off other people. And I just feel like... uh you know, like for whatever reason, you never, you never got like the massive chance at the fan. I think you should have, but I'm, ex- I'm personally excited because I feel like with us, like all the stuff that I think should happen for you will happen. So uh, I can't wait to work with you. Listen, it's gonna be wild. I can't believe I start uh, Sunday night. Uh, your pod's coming up. Me and you, uh, what, 24 hours from now? When does that uh, come out? No, that's actually, that's going up in like 10 minutes. So people. Can oh, so basically fix- right after I get off the air, I, I can listen to you and me. That's great. So I can yeah, never or, get no, enough of no, Bill Simmons, basically. No, it's going up at, I think, 9 in the morning your time tomorrow because we're trying to time it with the launch of your, uh, your podcast feed so people can subscribe tomorrow to your podcast. They can find out the name. We have some cool art for it. So it'll, it'll be cool. Listen, I can't thank you enough. I can't wait to get started. Uh, I know New York City loves hearing you, even when you're needling the Yankee fans. So we'll, we'll be in touch, all right, BS? We'll be in touch. Yeah, we'll be in touch. Congrats to the Mets fans out there. It's been, it's been a long haul since you broke my heart in 1986. Baby. You're over it, though. Admit it now. After all your success personally and with all your teams. By the way, you're, you're good. You don't need to see another championship ever again. You're good. No, I'll tell you, 86 still hurts. It still hurts. I can't explain it. No, does that it's, does it's, that hurt on, off topic? Does that hurt more than two thousand and three? Yeah, because I was younger, and it it was to just have fourteen pitches that could win the World Series, and, and and also like nobody's ever lost a dumber important baseball game ever. Like really, go back and watch that. It's like two, it's two line drive singles, a wild pitch, and a and a one hopper to first base, and they score three runs. It'll never happen again. With with the World Series on the line, all we have to do is get one more strike. There's, there's never going to be anything worse than that. The the Boone Homer was a one hour um, disemboweling because it really starts with the Grady leaving in Pedro, and at that point, you know they're going to lose. Well, and what was the moment for you where hour. you wanted Pedro out of that game? The Bernie hit up the middle. Whenever, whatever. Listen, I blocked most of it out of my mind. But whenever Matsui was about to come up, he had to come out. There was no way Matsui. Matsui owned Pedro, by the way. He owned Pedro. Pedro could have thrown ten pitches, and Matsui was going to get a hit there. So the fact that he kept him in for that when we had 
we had Embry ready to come in, and Embry and Tim were pitching great. Um, it that was it was the end of Thelma and Louise. It was when the, he knows the car is going to drive off the cliff. Harvey Keitel and he's running in slow motion trying to stop them. That's what that's what that was when he left him in. I'll never get over it. Yeah, I can't believe I'm admitting this. I would have preferred they just lost in 2003. Now, after what happened in 04, would have been better off. Would have been therapeutic for me. Just just so you know. I actually think we had a better team in 03. I think that really without Schilling really and Folk, really, I'm surprised by that. The 03 team, that that team one through nine was bashing that. Well, that lineup that... beat the crap out of the Yankees. You remember Fourth of July? They came to the Bronx. Clemens and Wells, I think, gave up like ten runs each. Got smoked, dude. Smoked. Yeah, I thought the 03 team was excellent. The offensively, they were, I think, a little bit better than the 04 team. It was just the 04 team had Folk and Schilling were the big difference makers, but I thought 03 team was definitely good enough to win a World Series. And then the way the Yankees, you know, it was almost like they played their World Series winning the winning the ASCS, and then they just got housed by the Marlins, which when you go back and you look at that Marlins team, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. No, it was pain. They were up two games to one and were celebrating and then choked by not using Rivera because they kept them in the bullpen in a tie game, which is like one of the worst moves Tory ever made. Everyone talks about not bunting on Schilling. That's a thousand times worse. You got Mariano Rivera. It's a World Series game. It's tied in extra innings. Put him in the damn game, for goodness sakes. Instead, I see Weaver right. hit a home run. And then your boy Fat Beckett, before he ate all the uh, chicken and beer and all that and, stuff, uh, dominated the Yankees. They didn't have a prayer against him in game six. Didn't have a prayer. The, be- the best thing that ever happened to the Red Sox and the Yankees thing was getting when they changed the schedule. And we could basically play the Yanks 18 times, plus the playoffs. It was just so many looks at Rivera that I don't look. Nobody could do anything against Rivera, but the Red Sox, at least, he was a little familiar. It wasn't like you're going against this guy in a playoff series, and it's like some alien. The ball's doing things. You're like, what is happening? The Red Sox, they would have good at bats against Rivera by '04, and I, I do think that was one of the reasons. And in the ALCS that year, that they were able to come back because they had had so many battles against him. And, you know, they kind of knew. They had really patient guys that could lay off. And, look, it's it's to me, that's the pinnacle. It'll never be tough. Bill Simmons, thanks for hopping on, buddy. We'll chat soon. All right, good to see you. Thank you. There you have it. My new boss, that's Bill Simmons. Comes on literally as Lindor news breaks. It's amazing. How apropos. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 